The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Talking Halos, Derek C. Apollo. Run the ship alone today. Getting you guys just a little bit of time away from Jared. He's he's doing Jared things today. John's in South Carolina. Man, the, the whole team just everywhere. Well, I'm here for once, right? For once. And once I'll talk about the deadline. I'll talk with Jeff Fletcher here in a little bit, the Angels beat writer for Orange County Register, and get his view on the book. Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, so I can't wait to ask him about that. I've been reading the book. It's pretty interesting, pretty good. Not a long read, not a hard read, so it's good work done by Jeff. We're going to get his view on that. We'll get it. We'll ask him a few questions if, he, if he's got some time about what the Angels did here in the last couple of days with the trade deadline. And uh, if you, by now, you've probably listened to the podcast that uh, we did with Jared, Nate, and myself. And it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, it was pretty depressing. It was having a, having a day, though, to, to really evaluate everything. Uh, there, there are a couple of things I want to mention, a couple of things I want to go over and just give my thoughts on it. And the instant thought was, well, we're going to pay for Shohei. And I, I'm not so sure this is about Shohei. I really, I'm really not sure at all. I'm going to stand on this mountain and say this team had the talent to win this year. I'm not saying win a title. I'm not, I'm not even saying win a division. Uh, they had the talent to compete. We were talking early in the year about them being able to win 90-95 games, and I thought they could. The, the pitching to start the year was better. I mean, in all honesty, the pitching hasn't been bad. It's been inconsistent, but it hasn't been bad. The hitting's been uh, a train wreck. In terms of offensively, but when you've got the you know, anchors in your lineup like a Trout and who's slumped a little bit this year, and you have Anthony Rendon who's out again, guys you pay big money to, that's a big portion of that salary that's gone. But there's another thing there. 
And I know that, man, I know Jared will look at me funny. And David Fletcher, and I can't say for sure what his future is with the club. I can't say for sure that he's the guy or, the guy or not the guy. Uh, I got to tell you that in covering the Angels the last few years, I, there's been a lot of, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, a lot of views on which I've seen my view has changed. I'll just say that. My view on how the Angels of Run have changed. Um, some things haven't changed. But I, I'd say that I'm not ready to just say, you know, Dale Fletcher's not the guy. But they've missed him for part of the year. And he's always been a spark plug for him. So that takes us to the trade. And that takes us to the, well, the trade deadline. And that takes us to what the Angels did over the course of a couple of days. I stand by what I said on the show yesterday, and that was that I believe the Angels did actually um, probably not get what they could have. But then again, I mean, what could they have gotten? People knew they were going to sell. And I think the big thing yesterday was about, wasn't really about prospects, it was about money and creating financial flexibility. Basically getting rid of a bad contract, which isn't a good feeling. But that's essentially what I think happened yesterday. And in the end, they got a catcher out of it who is probably their catcher of the future. He now becomes their number one prospect. That's also kind of daunting considering um, this prospect was third in the Phillies organization. So despite all the progress the Angels have made in the last couple of years, here we are picking what's third. What's third? So that's concerning. So let's go through it real quick before we bring Jeff on and get his thoughts on a few things besides the book. But the book first. It's his work, and we want to talk to him about the book. The Angels traded Brandon Marsh and Noah Syndergaard. Um, two deals here. But basically, comes to, if you want to go for a one tray, if you want to pair them together, Logan O'Hop, catcher, their top catching prospect, number three in the Phillies organization, former number one overpick Mickey Moniak, and outfield prospect Yadiel Sanchez for Brandon Marsh in right-hander Noah Syndergaard. And later on, they trade Rizal Iglesias to the Braves for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. Now, Jesse Chavez is like 38 years old. So, he's not there long-term. Tucker Davidson is now, I believe, would now rank, I think I saw for Fangrass, number 19 in the, in the Angels' top 30. Jadiel Sanchez, they got from the Phillies, be the 17th prospect of the Angels. Um, Moniak was somewhere in there as well. And then Logan Hopman becomes the number one prospect for the Angels. They trade Brandon Marsh. They trade Rizal Iglesias, and they trade... Noah Syndergaard. So, I gotta tell you, my first thoughts are they should have got more. Uh, I probably feel like they could have got a little more, but could they have? Could they have? I mean, if they if they could have, why didn't they? I think around Noah Syndergaard, I think they could have got a little more, but but they got the Phillies take some of his contract money. The same for the Braves. They unload that entire Iglesias contract. So they're basically paying these teams 
to take money off their hands. Now, the Syndergaard contract was one year. So you look at that and you're like, well, well if that's the case, get the prospects, pay the money. I, I can't tell you why. Um, I will, I'm not. I know some people will call Artie Moreno cheap. I don't see him as cheap. I don't not, I wouldn't say he allocates his money right. But I'm not going to call him cheap. The team is consistently top 10 payroll. I just look at it and think, with Iglesias, that was definitely a contract dump. That's exactly what it was. So let's really quick here, again, before Jeff comes on, note this. They needed a catcher. They haven't had a catching prospect in forever. Like a legit one. They're, the organization is bereft of catchers they see as being future major leaders. Now that might change. They needed to get rid of money. And the question about also what to do with Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele, that question was lingering. Well, now we have an answer. We have an answer. And that answer is one is gone. And the person they chose to keep is Joe Adele. It's surprising to me because Brandon Marsh has been up for much of the year. But they basically, in my view, chose Joe. They chose Joe. Go Joe. So, and then with the Glacius, they're saving $16 million a year. $16 million. So I'm going to bring Jeff Fletcher on. We'll get his thoughts and then we'll close out. Before we do, I want to ask you to head over to Apple Music. We have a five-star review. Also, I want to give a quick word to our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, folks, I'm here with Jeff Fletcher, the Angels beat writer for the Oregon Rest of the Southern California News Group. And he just wrote a fantastic book, Chronicling. That's right, Shohei Otani, his 21 season. And it's called the in- Show- Showtime, the Inside Story of Shohei Otani and the Greatest 
baseball season ever played. Jeff, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Well, we're living the dream the day after the trade deadline. It's it's been a interesting twenty four hours. Interesting. Yeah, I'm Always glad. Yeah, I'm glad Shohei's still there while we can talk about his book. Um, that's I guess that's the positive. But uh, I do want to ask you right away because your your title is actually pretty bold: the greatest baseball season ever played. What? What got you on this path? I mean, you, the greatest baseball season ever played. Well, I think that uh, it's a pretty short list if you talk about two-way seasons. Uh, it's basically Otani and Babe Ruth. And, uh, you know, I think that what Otani did was more difficult than what Babe Ruth did just because the level of competition in Major League Baseball was so much higher in 2021 than it was in 1918 and 1919. You know, the sport's integrated. There's much more technology now that the players use to break down uh, each other. And, uh, you know, there's more games, more travel. So uh, I think that what Otani did last year was better than what Babe Ruth did in his two seasons as a two-way player. And then any any season where you're not a two-way player, I just think it's right off the bat going to be not quite as impressive as uh, as what Otani did. So even in those years where, you know, Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs or the great year where Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were going down the pike chasing each other for a home run title, none that compares. I mean, those were great offensive seasons, but they're just still offensive seasons yeah. that were just like seasons that other players had. They were to a higher degree, but it was still not anything different. I mean, if to be able to pitch at the high level and hit at a high level is just so unbelievably difficult. And that's why it hasn't happened in a hundred years. So I think that that supersedes a season, you know, one of those amazing Barry Bond seasons, I still think was not as good as what Shohei Otani just did. Now, when you wrote this book here, you know, you've been covering the angels for a while and you're pretty, I mean, not, not kissing up here pretty good, but you've been on the, you've been on our show before a couple of years ago and we've always enjoyed talking with you. You, you're good at what you do. So something made an impression on you to go write this book. Why write it? Well, you know, because you, there are other things in Angels history you could have hit. You could have hit in the 20, uh, 2002 World Series title. You could have, there's, I mean, there's a lot you could have touched on, but this was the book for you. Why? Well, obviously I was here when this happened. I mean, I was not covering the Angels in 2002. I was covering the Angels for the entirety of Shohei Otani's career. So it pretty much... It came to me. I didn't have to go look for it. And, uh, you know, obviously Mike Trout has also had a great career. Uh, I think that Mike Trout's a little different in that his career is still ongoing, so it's probably best to be written about when it's done. Otani's career obviously is still ongoing, but this book is not so much about his career as about one amazing season that he had and how he got to that. I'm sure there'll be plenty of other books written about him, you know, when his career is over, but uh, that's sort of why I think this was primed to be a book right now. And so when you wrote the book, what was the, the overall, you know, was it just to tell them the story? Was, was there a message you're trying to get across or just, hey, I'm telling the story? Uh, pretty much just telling the story. I think that, you know, a lot of people don't know everything that happened. Uh, they just know that Otani was this great star in Japan and he came here and it didn't go so well for a few years, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it was. And he was did things that nobody thought anybody could do. So 
uh, there's a lot more to it than that. So I hope that people get all the, the details in between filled in by reading this book. So just to get a couple couple teasers out there, all right, for all these these prospective readers, hopefully the readers. Um, what in your research for in, in your chronicling? What were some? What were two surprising things that you learned about Otani or about the process that he went through last year to achieve what he did? I mean, I think two of the most uh, interesting parts of the book to me are. Uh, the process that he took to pick the angels. And uh, I think that's something that hadn't really been uh, delved into a lot. I mean, it was a kind of a unique circumstance to where basically every team in baseball could afford him and every team wanted him. So they put on this full on recruiting battle to, to get him. I think that was a pretty interesting part of the story. And then I think that what, uh, what he did to go from, the 2020 season, which was not a very good season, to the 2021 season, which was an amazing season, the, the kind of transformation that he went through and the, the way the Angels used him in a different way, which also helped, the way all of that kind of came together to, to create this incredible season. I think those are kind of the two things that, that I think most people will find most interesting. That second part's what caught my attention when I was reading it, was just the, the overall change and mentality change and everything he did to prepare for the season and how he, how to be successful. Now, as you're, as you're, you know, this book's out there now and it's available on Amazon. That's where I got it. It's available. Where else? Where's it at? Where else can you find it on? It's on all the. Um, I mean, any any online bookseller has got it, and uh, you know, it's at some Barnes and Nobles and other uh, in-person uh, bookstores. You should probably just call if you want to pick it up in person. Call first, see if they have it. But uh, you know, probably Amazon is the easiest way to do it. And so, when when you read the book and you researched all this, um, did you get any kind of inclination as to? where he goes from here like where what what is his future in the game is, is he going is this something that he wants to keep doing all the way through two-way play is is he just scratching the surface is it like it was an enlightened part in his life where he just realized this is what i have to do to be successful what did you really take from it as you wrote this book i mean i think he wants to be a two-way player as long as he can but i think he realizes that uh it's not going to go on forever and even not necessarily throughout his entire baseball career, but uh, you know, for now he certainly feels like he can do it. He's young enough and strong enough and he knows how to maintain his body to, to do this. Um, I think, you know, how many more years he's going to do it is a, is a really interesting question. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. I don't think it's going to be 10 more years, but you know, I don't know if it's two more years or six more years or five more years or, or what, but the, it's certainly fascinating to see. Now, when you, I'm sure yesterday watching the, the trade deadline right before we actually started airing this, we briefly talked about um, yesterday the trade deadline going by, and he wasn't traded. And recent comments that that he's made, basically, I'm an angel now. I'm an angel. Um, that he wants to be on a winner. That that's makes sense to me. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, based on everything you learned about him, 
what do you think his mindset will be the next couple of years as he looks at, hey, I can only be a two-way player for so long. I can only, you know, I want to be on a winner. Um, what is your gut feeling? Well, I mean, if you forced me to predict, I would say that he's probably not going to still be with the Angels after 23, um, just because I think the Angels have their work cut out for them to be a winning team uh, again next year. I mean, certainly possible, but, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. And uh, and I think that he wants to, to be on a winning team. Now, it's still possible that, the, A, the Angels could become a better team and he wants to stay, or, B, they could just give him a ton of money and he wants to stay because I think that's also, you know, that's an important thing to people too. And being comfortable in your environment is important too. And certainly he seems comfortable with the angels. So he still could stay, but uh, it just seems like, uh, it seems like probably he would, he would choose to go somewhere else uh, right now. You know, like I said, this 16 months away, that this decision is going to come. So mm-hmm. we'll see. That's how I was, as I was reading this, I was just sitting there thinking, my gosh, what, what is, you know, we're learning so much about everything he's put into this. He, I think sometimes we don't understand how much Shoya Tawny has invested in the Angels as much as the Angels have invested in him and invested in being a, a player here. And, you know, what, what we're seeing is a, a kind of a conundrum. He's going to be, you know, what, how do you keep him? You mentioned the book Rick Ankiel. And I remember Rick coming up. I'm, 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 I'm an old guy, not that old, but old enough to remember him coming up. And I remember him shifting over from pitching to um, to the outfield. And I thought that was a neat touch. What were some other neat touches that you were able to kind of connect with Shoyatani in the book that people will enjoy? Yeah, I think, you know, you go back to the beginning and uh, there's a good discussion in there of, of Babe Ruth as a two-way player, which I think that a lot of people don't know the whole story. They just know that Babe Ruth was a pitcher and a hitter, but they don't really know how long he was a pitcher and how he transitioned and, and all of that and how different he was from what Otani did. I think that's a kind of interesting little sidelight to it. <clears throat> I also think that uh, there's a section about uh, the great two-way players in the Negro Leagues, which... Uh, also, like I did not even know about before I started the book. And, uh, you know, Bob Kendrick, who runs the Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City, he said that he thought Otani's season last year really created the uh, situation for a lot of people to reexamine these Negro Leagues plays. So he thought it was great that, that Otani, Otani's presence like shined a spotlight back on some of these other guys, uh, Bullet Rogan and uh, uh, Leon Day and, and players like that. that people aren't familiar with. So hopefully they'll read this book and they'll learn a little baseball history too. So I think those are a couple kind of things off of the just Otani path that people will learn from, from this book. Now this is probably, probably this is hard for me to ask and kind of picking on one of my co-hosts on this. Um, but I'm going to do it anyways. There is an argument made that actually Shohei makes it harder for the team to be successful, not just because he's going to take a huge chunk of money, which, yeah, we get that, but also because he requires, you know, basically that extra day in the rotation, the, the movement, the line, the lineup, it reduces in some ways the team's flexibility at being able to pitch a rotation and using the field, uh, especially pertaining to like Mike Trout, 
who's getting older. Um, Rendon, when he comes back, will, you be able, will he be able to stay at third base? Will he have to move to first base? Um, what do you say to that kind of argument that he actually can, in some ways, limits the Angels' flex, you know, in terms of flexibility? Uh, I think some of that is true. I think certainly the the DH argument is true, that a lot of other teams can use their DH as kind of a revolving half day off for some of their other players. And certainly Mike Trout would benefit from being able to DH some more games and Anthony Rendon also, and that's really not something that the Angels can do because of Otani. That is an absolute legitimate issue. Uh, the salary also, I think it's just the same as, as any star player. Otani, you know, would affect the Angels, you know, payroll the same way that Mike Trout does. So I don't think that that is necessarily a deal breaker to have them win because, you know, it's the way you win is by having a lot of, uh, of good young players and those guys don't make very much money. So the Angels are going to win if they have a lot of good young players with or without Otani. That's the other thing. The, uh, the, but the part about the rotation, I don't really buy because, you can still have Otani pitch on five days rest and have the rest of the guys pitch on four days rest. And there'd be like maybe once or twice a month that they would conflict and you would need to drop in a six starter, which you could easily do with, uh, you know, somebody that you option up and down or, you know, a long man in the bullpen or, or whatever. It just wouldn't be that hard. The reason the angels haven't done that is because they don't have the other established starters. They've got, you know, Noah Syndergaard hadn't pitched in two years. Michael Lorenzen was a reliever his whole career. All these other guys, you know, Detmers and Sandoval and Suarez had never even pitched 100 innings in the big league. So that's the reason that they did that with all those guys. If Otani was in a rotation with a bunch of other established pitchers, uh, I don't think they would have to go with a six-man rotation just because of him. So, you know, and, and that takes me to the end here. And this is the I want to ask you about the trade deadline. Yes, they, you know, the Angels make um, a trio of moves. Basically, you combine them two deals with the Phillies, Logan O'Hop, Nicky Moniak, JDL Sanchez for Blair Marsh and Noah Syndergaard. And then later on, Rizel is gone. Goes to the Braves where Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. Um, how do you evaluate this trade? Because I look at it as twofold. Either you're trying to get, you're, you're trying to, create financial flexibility to be able to put someone put people around Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, or are you trying to clear money to pay Shohei Otani? That's, that's how I took it. Um, how did you really take the deadline yesterday? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest aspect was clearing the money from Iglesias. And uh, whether you give that to Otani or give that to other players, it's still the same money. So you don't even have to know which what you're going to do, but having more money available helps. And uh, I had always been kind of a believer that you don't really want to spend a lot of money on your bullpen because they're just so volatile. And, uh, you know, look at the good relievers. A lot of them are just, they're either young guys or they're just guys that were picked up off waivers and don't make very much money. That's just the way it works with bullpens. So, you know, when the Angels did give Iglesias that contract, I was kind of thinking, well, this, this might not end up going so well. And uh, I think they realized pretty early that it had a chance to really not go very well, and they got out of it, which, you know, I think is probably a good thing. Now they're going to have to use that money on somebody else, and they're going to have to make the right choices on who else they give that money to, whether it's Otani or anybody. But, you know, not having 
$16 million a year tied up in a, a guy who's going to pitch <clears throat> 70 innings a year and who's 32 right now and would then be 33, 34, 35, you know, I'm sure there's better ways to spend that money. So I think that was the main thing. And as far as the other deals, you know, Syndergaard, obviously anything you get from him is good because he was just going to be gone. So, you know, you got basically Mickey Moniak, who's probably kind of like Joe Adele. He's a guy that was a great prospect that has not really figured it out yet, but he's still young. So now they have two of him. And, uh, Logan O'Hoppy is, uh, by all accounts, a pretty good catching prospect, and that is not something the Angels had. So that is definitely, there's some value in that. And, uh, you know, they they do have Max Stassi, and I think they don't feel like that's going to be a problem. You know, O'Hoppy, I imagine, gets to the big leagues at some point next year, and then he's probably the backup to Stassi. And, you know, then they'll they'll be the two catchers, and eventually – Ohapi will take over and Stassi will become the backup. And so I think that they, the Angels feel like depth obviously was a problem for them this year. So I don't think they're going to be worried about having too many guys who are uh, good players at any particular position. I mean, for, it's been so long since the Angels have had a good catch prospect. So, I mean, I can't complain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. There's nothing wrong with having uh, uh, two good players at, at one position. Well, Jeff, you let people know where they can find you. I mean, I know where you are. We, we read your work and we catch up with you on Twitter. We see what you're doing there. But not everybody knows where to find you. So where can they find you? Uh, the quickest way is on Twitter, Jeff Fletcher OCR. And if you follow me on Twitter, you will get links to all of my stories that I write for those who register. And you'll hear incessantly about the book. So uh, Twitter is the, uh, the quickest avenue to get to all the rest of the ways you can, you can read my stuff. So, well, Jeff, thanks so much. I'm, I've really been in, enjoying the book. It's been a great read. Um, I, I do like how you tie things together with other players. Like you, like you mentioned Babe Ruth. I mentioned Rick Ankiel. There's more than that in there. There's so much connection. Uh, you mentioned the Negro Leagues. This is, this is stuff that people, I think, really dig, especially folks like me who love the history of the game and also really enjoy learning about Shoei. So thanks so much for taking time with us. We really appreciate it. And I hope we talk again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So there's an interview with Jeff. There are some, yeah, there's some really cool things he mentioned there about his perspective on j- just how Shohei's impact in the game now and how it brings back memories and call brings call back to other eras and what they did. Because while Shohei's doing it now, he's not the only one who have done it, like the Negro Leagues, like Babe Ruth. So now we can compare it. We can look at historically and, and, we're going to see how did these guys who played years and years and years ago compare. I think Shohei compares well, very well. I mean, last year especially. But it, those other players who, who did it also deserve some credit. So get the book. Get the book. It's, it's a good read, I promise. It's been a good read. I've really enjoyed it. And I also enjoy getting his view on the Angels' moves. I think the tendency here is to panic a little bit. And it's been that kind of year, like, we're entering the night of August 3rd. We're entering gameplay. I think the Angels are 44-59. The, the team is disappointed across the board. We at least, at very least, thought they'd be around 500. You know, and they, and they haven't been. It's just been an awful year all around. And yet, I disagree, I think, with those who are saying this is the end of the world for the Angels. 
there's still flexibility there. There's still things to do. And I do like what Paramanasi has been doing with the organization. I do like the moves he's been making in the draft. I do like how they've been working to try and get these guys developed. There is light in the tunnel. I I don't know yet where that takes us. And I'm hesitant to go Billy Epler on you and say there's a plan. Of course there's a plan. Do I know what it is? I think you get glimpses of it. But in the end, it's just an organization that hasn't won in darn near 10 years. I'm getting there now. It's been almost 10 years. And now it's about the culture. Now it's about leisure at the top. And I'm hoping that Manazian's given time to see this through. And I'm going to make one more point before I get out of here. And I want to make this point clear. Billy Epler is the GM of the New York Mets. The New York Mets. A team that consistently plays second fiddle to the New York Yankees. And the Mets have not won much in the last 20 years. They're 65 and 38 today. They made moves throughout the break, throughout the, you know, throughout the last couple of days here. They have gotten better. They have a farm system to maneuver around with. And they're doing that under Billy Epler. He was successful in New York. What's that say? Was it really ever Billy Epler's fault in Los Angeles? Was it? Should make you think. It makes me think. I I can't really... I know you may, you might be thinking, hey, are, Derek, what are you saying? Are you saying that you know who, this is somebody else's fault? I might be. But I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Was it management? Was it development? Was it, was it Epler? Was it Artie? Who was it? And how do we fix it? How do they fix it? Not we. They. They got to fix it. All right. That said, there are still good pieces there. We'll see where the Angels go for the rest of the year. And hopefully this offseason with some more monetary flexibility. Don't forget that with Upton's contract coming off the books, there's more money available. We'll see how it goes. All right, everybody. I'm out of here. Have a great one. Follow us on Twitter. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 